With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, if you have a business, this show is for you. If you ever, <laughs> If you ever wanted to do something with your life, you're in the right place if you're listening to us tonight. Our you know, guest tonight, Brian. You know, I'm sorry. Our guest tonight, Brian. I, I was I was on his site and I was looking at just the things that he's doing. And you know what? A lot of people aren't talking about these things. They aren't talking about them, and you know, with their business and why businesses are doing certain things and the employees. It's just it's just awesome to see what our guest is doing. And Brian, what did you think when you went on his site? You know, I was. I was I was thinking just like you said, not many people are really talking about this when they start a business. You know, they're always out there trying to generate more business, you know, but they're never really talking about the interpersonal relations that they have inside the business that keeps it moving. Mm. You know, most more often than not, you'll find that a lot of people that are in business are disgruntled, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, like, employees are concerned. Most employees are unhappy with their job. And a lot of that has to do with how the business structure is run. And if people would take more time to nurture the business from within, then it would naturally grow than trying to nurture the business from the outside, bringing business in. Right. 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 Brian, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we're having some technical difficulties. I don't know what that is. But, Brian, tonight... We're going to make it all count. There's a book out there, Making It Count. And if if you're on the web and you're listening to us tonight, we're going to put that information out there for you to get this book. You have to get it. It's out there. It's it's laying things out. It's, it's, like Brian said, it's the little things that keep that, that's going to keep you going. But without knowing these things, Brian, they're not so little if you don't know about them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I think we all need to need to look, know. And uh, these are, I tell you what, if, if you have a business and you you want to do some things, this book is going to show you things that you need to know to run a successful business and how to treat your employees and that type of thing. It, it answers questions that we all, as business businessman part uh brian we we all need to know these things absolutely absolutely and the author of this book is someone who is very very impressive just by reading some of the things that he talks about you know this is someone you definitely want to know and this is a book that you definitely want to read the book is called making it making it count putting meaning i can't read it i'm so blind here i'm gonna let him Oh, I'm sorry, putting meaning back in business and relationships. Thank you, eyes. <laughs> and the author is uh, Mr. Brian Hurlbut. And I want to bring him on now because I think he has a lot to talk about. Mr. Hurlbut, are you there? I am. Thanks, Brian. Right. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yeah, I, no, absolutely, I, you absolutely you got it correct. You're one of the very few people on the face of this earth that ever got it right the first time. So congratulations. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yes, Mr. Hover, this is great. Making it count. Making yes, make, it count. making it count. That's the title of our book that we just came out with May 1st. It's uh, really pretty much just hot off the presses here just within the last 60 days. Yes. Where did you get this concept in writing this book? Did you talk with a lot of employees and you all came together and put your heads together and said, you know what, this is something that uh, the blueprint of, of, of how things should really be done? Boy, you know, I I wish that would have been the case. Uh, that would have been that would have been a great thing uh, if so. 
unfortunately, the book really was birthed out of uh, out of observation um, and personal experience in the in the workplace. I've been a business and an IT consultant for the past 20 years, and uh, and I've had the opportunity to deal with with state governments, with uh, large corporations, with small businesses. Uh, I've dealt with uh, hospitals, lawyers, uh, banks. Um, uh, you name it, I've dealt with pretty much, uh, I would say, almost every every area, every sector, anyways, of the marketplace. And uh, and I just began noting over the past, especially over the past 10 years, uh, objects and, and, and uh, uh, responses and, and personality types and, and needs that were missing in the, in the marketplace. And, and, uh, and, and so as time went along, I, as I continued seeing that need grow more and more, uh, I just really felt that it was time to try to approach the need in the marketplace by instilling these missing pieces back into business and making it a uh, – I want people to go to fun. I don't want them to go to work. Yeah. And uh, I, oh. I love my job. I love what I do. Uh, I love the people I work with. I've got wonderful relationships. It doesn't mean I've never had a bad one. It just means that I love what I've got. And it's happened so few times. I, in the last 20 years, I can honestly tell you I can only remember two uh, client situations that, that I had to walk away from. So uh, it was really birthed out of a desire to see other people enjoy that type of work lifestyle. Brian, we can barely hear you. I'm sorry. We can barely. I'm sorry. Hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. He says he wants you to go to fun and not to work. I love that. You know, talk a little bit about some of the things that are uh, without giving too much detail. But talk to us about the book. Well, the book uh, the book covers 23 areas uh, that I've noted as probably the most primary missing areas in our workplace today, and and. It could be uh, – you could go into a large corporation or a small business. I work with not-for-profit agencies as well, and, and I see these uh, even probably more so in not-for-profits in some number of ways. Um, let, let me give you some ideas. Here, here's an example of one of the topics, and we can talk about as, num- as many as you like, but, but I'm going to pick one just, just to start our conversation off today. One of the things that I, that I need and that every person I've ever known that's been in business needs to be able to do – is to break down walls of communication. Uh, I've never seen a situation, whether I'm working with a small business, uh, a corporation, a church, um, a civic organization, uh, across the board you have obviously different types of personality types, profiles, and, and each person perceives what you're saying in a different way. And just by your demeanor, as you walk up to somebody, they have, they have made an initial judgment. They will look you up, they will size you over, and, and they will determine whether or not they feel, whether, without speaking a word, they will determine whether they feel they can trust you to carry on a conversation or not. And, and a lot of times these uh, initial con- conceptions of who we are and, and the way we portray ourselves are, are misconstrued. And so we have to be able to break through that initial barrier to carry on a conversation with somebody that we're either going to do business with or that we need to work as a volunteer with. And so here, here's something that I, that I have used for close to the past 20 years, and it has worked for me without fail, and it's this one rule. Everyone loves to teach, and everyone loves to talk about themselves. And if you get somebody starting on, on either of those two topics, you will break down those walls of communication, and, and you will be able to carry on conversation for an insurmountable amount of time. Let me give you an example. I cover this in the book, and I'm actually going to give this first one away because it's just so important, and I want your, I want your listeners to be able to, if they walk away with nothing else, I hope they walk away with this rule. I had a young man that worked with me, uh, or actually that came to me. I was helping him professionally, mentoring him, and he worked as a, uh, as a sous chef at uh, a country club. And uh, the gentleman that was the lead chef was uh, a black man that he had uh, worked with for about four months. And he was older, had been the head chef of that, of that restaurant for quite a few years, almost 20 years to be exact. And uh, this gentleman came to me, this young man came to me and said, I have tried to talk with this gentleman, and I cannot get him to talk with me. What am I supposed to do? And I shared this rule to you that I cover in Making It Count, which is that everyone loves to teach and everyone loves to talk about himself. And I told this young man, I said, get him 
to talk with you, get him to teach you what he's doing as a chef, get him to talk with you about his life somehow, get him to talk with you about one of those two things. And if you can get him started on that, I guarantee you the conversation will roll. That next day he went to work and he asked that gentleman, he, he asked him, he, he said, where did you grow up? And the gentleman told him the a southern city and southern state that he'd grown up in. And he asked him, he said, what was it like growing up in Atlanta as a young boy? And for 20 minutes that gentleman shared his life story with my, with my young apprentice here. And, and within a matter, literally, within a matter of three months, he had gone from being a little sous chef to being uh, third in command over that restaurant. And the conversation from that day forward with that head chef, they talked about everything. There was absolutely no barrier between the two. And here's the reason why it works, uh, gentlemen. It's because you are instilling honor in somebody. Uh, Gregory, when I walk up to you and I say, what was it like growing up where you grew up? And I, sta- and, and I sit there and I listen to your upbringing. And I let you tell me about something that you are the only person in this world who knows. You're the expert. Right. If I get you talking about you, you're the expert. Nobody knows that topic as well as you do. And I, I open myself up and I embrace the, the truth that I can learn something from anybody. No matter where they're at, no matter what station of life they're in, I can learn something from anybody. I honor you by doing that. And as I sow that honor into your life, as I instill that honor in you by being, in, by being interested in investing in who you are, that breaks those barriers down, and then in return you see that those people begin to offer that honor and that respect back to you. You know what? I, I wanted to ask you this. Do you think as just as human beings we, we, we have this barrier automatically that's just it's just there? If we don't know you, if we feel someone trying to, to get too close to us, do, do you think that that's just natural? You know, it's a shame. I think to a large degree it is. Uh, I think part of it, one of you, I think, uh, Brian, I think it might have been you, had mentioned the word ignorance before. Uh, and, and that's one of my favorite words uh, because I have this saying, and I teach my clients this, and it's this, it's this saying, ignorance is a powerful thing. Ignorance is a powerful thing. And when we, when we walk in ignorance, it's, it's, there, is that, there is that portion of not knowing, you know, that, that, that idea of, in this case we're talking about relationships, when you meet somebody and I'm ignorant of who you are, of what you are, of your ethic, your background, your drive, your passion, your vision. When I don't know those things, I don't know how you're going to treat me. And if my past experiences have been that my initial meeting with somebody tends to be a hurtful experience, I'm obviously going to back off. So uh, I, I think it really does depend on your background. It depends on where you come from and how you've been treated by others and how much of that you've been able to overcome. But, but I think most people really are skeptical because they've been burned in the workplace, they've been, uh, you know, they've been uh, ratted on, they've been dissed in their, behind their backs, the, you know, the, the venom that spews from one person to the next. They've been a party of that, and they've had to taste it themselves. And, and so I think there is a concern as people have those initial conversations. Mm. Wow. But, you know, <laughs> communication, I, I, was, I just left a place with a lot of kids, and these kids are really, really bright and smart. But if they don't know how to communicate, they'll never. People will never really see their value and their worth, and that's so important. I, I like the way that you taught the person to kind of get in there to, to talk with this guy to make not so much put all the pressure on the person that's talking. It, it's just you're you're. I, I just I just like the way that you uh, told the guy to go in there, and, and you knew the parts that would make the person. Like, you know what, it, it, it's my time to talk. I'll talk about this. It's almost as if you're, you're telling him, okay, you're in charge of the conversation. You can take it however you want to take it, and we can go wherever you want to go with it. Yeah, and, ab- yeah absolutely. Right, you're giving them a choice. You're giving them a choice, and, they, and you're not taking their power. You're pretty much giving them the floor to say, okay, it's on you now. I, I, absolutely, that's exactly what I'm saying. And 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 I and the thing that fuses that experience together, and I go back to this, and you'll hear me use this word over and over and over again because it, it's lacking so severely in uh, our relationships, whether they're interpersonal home, interpersonal business, interpersonal church, interpersonal civic organization. You name the organization, you name the entity, call it a family of any type that you like. 
But the one thing that that is missing, uh, and you'll and I see over and over and over again, is the word honor. We 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 make decisions around people rather than including them in there. We uh, we, we may ask people's opinion and then we do it because it's politically correct, and we turn around and walk off expecting to do what we were planning to do in the first place. Uh, and and by putting that person in the driver's seat, and then by actively listening to what they have to say, not for a personal gain, but because the intent is to break down barriers, you're honoring that person. You're telling them you're a valuable person. You have something that nobody else has, and that's a background that I don't know. And I want to learn that. Give me what you have. Teach me something. Hmm. Wow. You know, that that's just profound. You know, I'm looking at, um, I'm actually on your website, and the website is bigmeaning.com. And some of the uh, titles in your table of contents include What is Truth, Set Your Margins, and I, I love this one. Freedom is worth more than money. That's the truth. Now, I'm telling everybody, go to the website, bigmeaning.com. Purchase the book. It's available now on the website, 1395. Use your PayPal account. Buy this book, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, and any other bank card that you have. Use it. Buy this book. It is so interesting. Just the topics and the titles, it makes me want to just do, you know, just flip open now. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, hey, Brian, can we talk about that? You, pick, you picked uh, freedom or is worth more than money. Can we chat about that for a second? Sure, absolutely. Uh, the reason I say that is because uh, uh, your listenership includes small business owners. And in small business, uh, we're going to, just for the sake of our conversation today, okay, we will say that small business is anybody underneath of 100 employees. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah, sure. All right. So, so we'll deal. We'll just let's just have this. Let's talk about this for a second. We, depending on the type uh, of of city that you dwell in, where you're at geographically in the United States uh, or abroad, it just depends uh, on on as where people are listening. Out, obviously, since we're on the web, it could be anywhere in the world at this point. But, but one of the things, especially in the United States, that we're seeing right now is that since it's an election year and and given a number of other uh, influencing factors, we have really a, a type of recession that's going on in a number of areas. Uh, I live in the Midwest, and uh, we tend to not experience recession times as heavily as other areas do, but you can still feel it. And as small business owners, uh, we we really don't have deep pockets. Uh, we, we don't have the ability to uh, to increase our employees' salaries by 10% to keep them from going somewhere else. We have to be able to be creative and offer them something that uh, will keep them. And the one thing that's the commodity, and I've been watching, uh, and I've noticed in a number of different uh, publications, as a matter of fact, I even read one here, oh, it was back in April, it was a couple months ago in Information Week, uh, they were talking about the exact same topic, and that is this, that when presented with uh, a minimal raise or freedom in the workplace. Employees almost exclusively will take freedom in the workplace. They will take the ability to come in late to work by 20 or 30 minutes, the ability to increase their lunch hours and make up the time at the end of the day, uh, the ability to, to work an extra hour, uh, eight or nine days during the course of a month so that they can have an additional day off without having to take it off of their vacation. And there's no, there's no rule that says that as businesses we can't do these things. Uh, you know, the federal government hasn't come along and said, your employee can only work exactly eight hours, and at the end of that time they must go home. Uh, obviously, every one of us who are business owners know that's not the case. And, and most folks that work in salaried positions also realize that's the truth. So, so when we talk about freedom being worth more than money, one of the things I challenge people to do is this. Figure out how much you really honestly make in an hour. What is it? If your base wage is, let's say you make $15 an hour, uh, by the time you take that, you take your taxes out, all of your withholdings, everything else, you may be lucky enough to make 12 bucks. 
<laughs> and, and, and so now you've got the chance. At the end of your day, here you go. You can work an extra half hour, and you can make $6 worth of take-home pay. Or you can exchange that $6 to go home and relax with a book, go to the Y and exercise, meet some friends down and play a game of baseball, go do some racquetball or some tennis. You could trade that half hour for an hour and a half worth of, worth of pleasure or an hour and a half worth of relaxation and de-stressing. What would, be, would, it, would it really honestly be worth six bucks to have an hour and a half with one of your friends walking around the mall and just catching up at the end of the day? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And, and that's what I try to get people to understand. I'm not saying be lazy. That's not it. I'm saying look at what freedom really is worth. Because when everything is said and done, and, you know, a, a lot of people in this world end their lives on a bed of sickness. It's, it's an unfortunate thing, uh, and we can probably, I'm sure, thank Adam for that because, uh, you know, he was the first guy to start the whole ball rolling. Uh, but, but in the bottom line of things, uh, what you see is this. Anybody that's laying on their deathbed will spend any amount of money that it takes to get time. So the question is, are you willing to spend any amount of time that it takes to enjoy life? When your life is vanishing from you, you'll spend as much money as it takes. Will you spend money to enjoy it while you're living? And spending that money doesn't mean necessarily taking it out of your wallet and handing it to the guy across the table. Sometimes it means giving up the possibility of making that extra six bucks so that you can enjoy your life. Powerful. Powerful. You know, I'm, I'm on here as well, and, and one thing that caught my attention is the eyes have it. <laughs> But yeah, the eyes have it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into that chapter too much because that really <laughs> is. That's the. Uh, uh, that would be the. Uh, how would you say that? That would be the magnum opus of the book. <laughs> okay. okay. The, yeah, uh, don't go too far in that one. That's yet. the final work, and um, you know what? All I will say is. All I will say is that 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 title captures the essence of the entire book and really uh, what I aspire to instill in others. Uh, which is that the eyes have it, yeah. and um, I'm not going to say anything else. We're going to leave yeah, that one. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say let's just leave that one. <laughs> if you want to find out, get the book, buy the book. But Absolutely. you know, I, yeah, I wanted to ask you this, Brian and I. We we were talking about people working for other people all the time, and one of the reasons a lot of people won't go out on their own and try to start their own business or their own nonprofit organization is because they are afraid and they don't trust themselves that they can do what their bosses are doing, that they can get to choose the times that they go to work, or they can control when they get a raise and when they don't get a raise. Why, why do you think people's uh, mind frame is just work for someone else, work for someone else and depend on them? Do you think they're just afraid of the responsibility of making those decisions? You know, I, I think honestly, and it's, it's interesting that you'd bring this up, but I really, I really feel like it's bound that the, that the, the understanding of this topic of the fear of self-employment really is bound in two things. Uh, the first one is a fear of the unknown. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, and again, I'm using a generality, and I really want to, I really want to say up front, this is a generality. This is in no way intended to speak to every individual listener that we're that we're addressing today. Mm-hmm. This is a generality that I, I do believe that in general people are fearful uh, of the process that has to happen from from the dreaming stage to the execution stage. I think I think if you'd ask anybody, they could spend twenty or thirty minutes with a glass of iced tea in their hand or a soda pop, and they could lean back and they could lay their head back in a rocking chair and they could rock back and forth, and for about thirty minutes, they could imagine the most wonderful experience that they've ever had in their lives as far as their employment would go. The amount of freedom that they would have, the, the amount of work that they would have, the type of work that it would be. Maybe they want to start a catering business. Maybe they want to start a floral business. Maybe they want to start a business where they're going into people's homes and they're helping the elderly by helping to take care of them physically and helping them to meet their needs. Maybe they want to work with youth, uh, you know, at-risk kids uh, in, the, in the city or even in, even in, in rural America. We, we, can't, we can't miss the fact that alcoholism and drug usage is, is rampant 
in rural America. We see that even in western Kansas. It's, it's, it's just amazing the amount of uh, dr- drug abuse and alcohol abuse that goes on in rural towns, towns of three, four, six, twelve hundred people. But, but you have situations where people can dream it, they see it in their mind's eye, but when it comes time to execute it, they get stuck. And, and so I think that fear of changing from dream to execution is one thing. And the other thing is this. There, there tends to be, there really is, a misnomer, a, a misunderstanding that being an employee brings security. Uh, I, I have, obviously, my dad and my mom and dad have been married for 45 years, and, uh, and uh, I don't come from a divorced home, uh, which is a statistic in itself. Uh, my dad worked faithfully for a corporation for years and years, and one day... Uh, he realized that this corporation was doing some illegal things. And he asked them about it. And some time went by, and it was about three months later, he got a phone call. And his manager uh, from uh, Nebraska said, I'm coming down with you to chat for a minute. He came down and told me, he said, I need you to help with me. I need to hire somebody. Would you help me find somebody to help you in your job? And so my dad agreed to do that. He found the person, hired him. The gentleman came back down from Nebraska and introduced himself to that gentleman that my dad had just hired. And he turned and he looked at my dad and he said, I want you to realize that you just hired your own replacement. Clear out your desk. Now, now that's wow. a true story. And uh, my dad uh, worked honorably and faithfully for that company. I know for a fact because I know my dad. Right. And, uh, and you know what? There was no security in that job. But I see over and over and over again people say security in being an employee, security in being an employee. And over and over again I see the same people after 10, 15, 20, in some cases I've seen 20-some years of service for a corporation, honorable service for a business, and they walk in, they tell them to clean out their desk, and they have security usher them out of the building. And to this day those people have no idea what happened. There, there is a misunderstanding that there is security in being an employee, and and I'm and I and I tell people that's just simply not the truth. You don't have security as an employee, no more than you do being self-employed. You probably have more security as a self-employed person than you do as an employed one, because you can at least work harder to earn your own income. That's that's. I tell you what, that's that's happening a lot now. I think people are, are actually starting to see it a little bit more now. And uh, what the guy did to your father was that's just that's so cold. That's mm-hmm. that's just that's just cold hearted. I tell you what, I I think what what people learn from working on their jobs now, if you really look at it, you are prepared to actually do what you like doing. And I say that because you have more skills than you think you do. Like with Brian, he's a computer guy. That That's his thing. That's his job. That's what he does. So if, if Brian wanted to go off into his own business, he's, he has the knowledge, the skills, and he can do that. Right. You know, but I, I think where a lot of people are getting mixed up is they don't know what to do. I don't know what type of business I want to run. I don't know what to do. And if they really look, it's right up under their noses. Do do you think that that I'm right? That I'm close? That you know, the person that feels I want to start my own business, but I don't know what I want to do. Absolutely. You know, I I think again, they need to go back and they need to be they need to choose uh, to educate themselves as much as they need to, uh, so that they can make that journey from dreaming to execution. Uh, there, there is nothing to fear. I mean, the worst case, I mean, ultimately, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to fail. Okay? I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. You're, you're right. not going to die. Uh, your life will not cease to exist. You, you can still go out and get a job working as an employee for somebody. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that somebody who has a desire to go into business and who decides that they uh, are going to pursue their dream quit their job and go do it. Uh, I mean, as an example, let me tell you how I did it with myself. I uh, I started as an associate to a consulting firm. I worked there for about four years, three or four years, give or take, some time in there. And uh, at that point, I decided uh, I decided that I wasn't making enough money. I I wanted to make more, and the reason 
that I wanted to make for more, I have a very strong conviction in my heart, and that is this. By the time I die, by the time I've reached the end of my life, my goal is to be living off of 10% of my income. That's all that I want to be able to live off of is 10%. That's my goal. And so, uh, and so when I uh, started to realize that that was a real core of my, uh, of my makeup, uh, I looked at my, at, at my job, I looked at what I was doing, I looked at how much money I was giving to agencies and organizations that were feeding people who were poor, that were clothing them, that were changing their lives. I, I, I looked at organizations that were uh, church-related, uh, that were doing a phenomenal job at reaching communities uh, worldwide. And, and I started supporting faith-based organizations. I started giving money to those organizations. I started supporting uh, things that became very close to me. My grandfather uh, committed suicide because he had cancer, and we support cancer research. Uh, there are things that, that mean a lot to me that I wanted to give to, and I wasn't making enough money to be able to give the money that I wanted to. And so I started a business with the intent of taking all of the profit from that business and giving it away. And so I took what I knew, and I began to learn more, and I started capitalizing on it, and I started knocking on doors, small ones at first. Uh, and as things continued to grow, uh, you know, that I, I, the other day my, my dad was my bookkeeper for years, and he handed me my, my profit and loss from the second year, I think it was the second year or third year, that I was in business. And by that third year, I had made $19,000 in profit, which is more than a lot of people make in a year. And that 19000 I gave away. And my business continued to grow, and, and after a while I came to the conclusion that it was time to leave the association I was in, and I would have never dreamed at that point in my life that I would have been living off of an organization that I intended to use solely for the purpose of giving money away. But that's the direction it's gone. Had I failed, I say that all to say this, had I failed, I, would have, I wouldn't have been hurt. I was still an employee as I started working. Was I working long hours? Absolutely. There was a period of time where I was working until 8 o'clock every night, trying to keep up with the demands of my own business, plus being an, uh, an associate, an employee of a firm. Uh, but as it, as it progressed and I started to make more money, I was able to hire an employee. And they were able to do the work that I was doing, and then I started getting out work, out, out, of, out of my own work, my, my own business, at an earlier hour. And I started hiring people to help, and I started making more money, and I hired people, and I made more money until the point that I was able to leave my job as an employee and go full-time in my own business. So I say all that solely to say this. You don't have to sell your house, your cars, uh, and spend every penny that you've got in your savings to pursue your dream of self-employment. Figure out the way it will work for you, how you can do it while you're working your own job. If all you've got is Saturdays to work, then work Saturdays. I, I mean, I'm a big believer that, that the God of this universe created rules that apply to us. And, uh, you know, we have the laws of physics. We know that gravity works. We know that the law of lift is greater than the law of gravity. And so I've discovered and I believe that there are rules that we may not be familiar with that supersede the way that we're living right now. I believe that if we, that if we my personal, I believe this with my whole heart, I believe that if I honor the God of this universe by taking one day a week off, that he will cause my other six days to go very well. And he commanded it. I'm just following along. It's not like wow. I had to think about it. Wow. And so, so there are these things that, that we've got these rules, these guidelines, that if we pursue them and we learn them and we employ them, then, then you have the God of the universe. I mean, the God that created the very first atom of oxygen from nothing. We have that God of the universe working with us, not against us. And we can have, we can have the assurity that as we take those baby steps, that there's going to be a proper place waiting for us when we get to the end of the road. Wow. Wow. Mr. Herbert, let me ask you a question. The topic of our show tonight is entitled success. What does that word mean to you? What do you consider a successful person? I, I consider a successful person somebody who is able to go to sleep at night and not have any concerns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when, when I lay in my bed at the end of the day, it, my common practice 
and it has been this way for many, many, many years, that my common practice is to go back through the events of my day and to evaluate whether or not I have been dishonorable to somebody. And if I have, it's not uncommon for me to call somebody at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. And I know it means waking them up. And I know some of your listeners may listen to that and say, if that guy had called me at 11 o'clock at night, I'd have told him something. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. I, this is the one thing. None of us, and, and this is an overused cliche, but it really works here, and I want to make sure that everybody remembers this. None of us chose the time that we were born, and none of us will choose the time that we die, typically speaking. There is that opportunity for someone to take their life, and God forbid that anybody should ever do that. But as a typical rule, the way life is intended, and I believe the way the creator of the universe intended life to work, is that we came into this life uh, unannounced, uh, except to those who are dearest and closest to us, and we will leave this life hopefully the same way with those who are dearest and closest to us. And so I pursue honor every day of my life. I want to make sure that when my life is done at the end of each day and at the end of my existence on this planet, that those who are dearest and closest to me are still dearest and closest to me. That's mm. success to me. That well is success. Well said. That is success because, you know, a lot of people are waking up at night struggling and I mean, it's it's like it's torture to a lot of people. But to be able to get in that bed when you're one-on-one with yourself and sleep peacefully and wake up and go back to sleep, that's a beautiful thing. But uh, when, when, when I go into the jails to speak with the guys in there, that's the number one thing that they talk about is when everybody else is asleep and when it's just them, it's torture. Yeah. Yeah, so what they do is they try to talk and, 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 and they want to be the first person to go to sleep because they don't want to have to deal with life anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a, you know, and, I, and I, 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 all I can say is um, that there, you know what, there is a better way of life. There really is. It just depends on whether the listenership that, that we have right now, those folks that are listening to our conversation are willing to pursue it. Are they willing to pursue truth at all costs? Are they willing to pursue honor at all costs? Because it will cost. It will cost you the embarrassment of apologizing. It will cost you uh, potential profits. Uh, you could make a lot more money in, in, in the United States of America by being illegal than you can by being legal. Uh, I can tell you for a fact I know that to be true uh, because I just got done paying all of my own personal self-withholding and my, and my federal income tax and all that just yesterday. I just sent the checks off. I know how much money I have to pay on a, on a quarterly basis as a self-employed person. And, and I look at it and I think, wow, man, that's a lot of money going out the door. And, and then I look and I think, but wow, man, where else on the face of this earth could we have the opportunities that we've got? Nowhere. You know, and, and, and when, we, when we look at how, honestly, how, I'm going to use the word blessed because I think that's the only word that really fits, how really truthfully blessed, and I do mean it's a blessing, it is really a gift to be in the United States of America. The people in the United States that are at poverty level are still earning more than 75% of the populated world. Wow. You know, and, and that is... A phenomenally astounding thing when you think about the amount of wealth that we have in the United States. We're so used to it. I'm sitting in an office right now with a water cooler and a microwave and a coffee machine and lamps and computers and paper shredders and phones and, and, and digital clocks. And You understand what I'm saying? On top of the desk, yeah. there's about 27 books over the top of my desk. And there are places in, in this world not very far from here that don't even, their, their family would work for months to earn the money to buy one of the books that I have on my shelf. And I've got 27 sitting up here. Mm. We, we have been blessed to be in a nation like this. And um, we have a responsibility, I believe with all of my heart, 
to take the success that we can experience in this nation and to enjoy that success, not at the cost of others, but to the benefit of others. Wow. I could tell you, I, I, just, by, just by the words that you've spoken, you get me choked up here. <laughs> you know, because you don't really, most people don't really sit back and think about that. They really, and I'm, and I'm just, well, and I'm saying that, and I'm being general. In general, you have a lot of people who never really take into account how blessed we are and how much that we actually have. You know, I can remember watching TV with my son, and, you know, we're flipping through the channels, and I just happened to stop. I think it was on a, one of those UNICEF commercials or something like that, and it showed the children, and, you know, they were, you know, their bellies were all big and flies were all around them, and they're dipping their hand in a bowl and eating rice out of their hand, or I think it was not rice, maybe oatmeal or something like that. And my son was saying, Daddy, we need to send them $20 a month. And, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, son, we don't have $20 a month to send them. And I'm thinking, wow, here it is, the mind of a child. He's seeing a need, and he's saying, fulfill it, fulfill it. Yeah. And so often we, as a people, would say, but we can't do it because then we're taken away from ourselves. That's the best thing that we could possibly do. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the, that's exactly where 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 we dishonor others. It's because we make ourselves primary. You know, and I, I I ask people, what is so wrong with living in a smaller house? What's wrong with that? I, I make. I'm not going to go into details on what my salary is, but I you know what I make a good living. I make a good living. I, I make a living that is substantially more than the average person in the United States. I could afford a, 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 a 6,000 square foot house if I wanted one. But I live in a 950 square foot house with three bedrooms and one and a half baths. We bought the house 14 years ago. And I, and I looked at my wife when we were looking at buying a house. I'm, I'm celebrating my 15th year of uh, marriage. I've got a beautiful wife and two adorable kids. I love my family. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. Yeah, September will be 15 years for us. Uh, and my wife, Mary, and I, uh, who I, I have told her, I said, you know what, you're the most special person in the entire world because you're the only person that could have married me and stuck with it. So, <laughs> so that just tells you how unique and special you really are. And so we were sitting there, and I told her, I said, you know what, if if, if the consulting industry in the Midwest goes down the tubes, I want to be able to afford a house working at the local grocery store for whatever, my, whatever the management wage would be because I knew that I had enough skill to get a manager's job at a grocery store someplace, which at that time was $8.50 an hour. So we sat down and, with our banker, and we said, at $8.50 an hour, how much of a house can we afford? And she said, but you make a lot more than that. I said, I know that, but we want to live beneath our means. Just because we've got it doesn't mean we have to spend it. So how much could I afford for a house for $8.50 an hour? And she told us. And we set that as our goal, and we began looking for a house that was at that price. And amazingly enough, after a number of months, I think it took us about 11 months of looking before we found a house, and she and I walked into this one house, and we knew. We just had this gut instinct that was the house. And amazingly enough, it just happened to be the exact dollar amount that we were told that we could spend. And so we bought that house, and we moved into it. And you know what happened to us? We bought a 30-year note to pay that house off. And we had, because we lived beneath our means, we had the house paid off in seven years. So now we've gone the last eight years of our life. Well, strike that and rewind. We had, well, we've gone the last seven years. We bought the house almost a year after we were married. Uh, we've gone the last seven years of our lives with no house payment. <laughs> and we've been able to do whatever we want to do with that money. And you know what? We aren't suffering. Wow. We still eat. We have nice meals. My wife cooks great food. My kids love the home that they're in. Could we have a bigger kitchen? I would love to have a bigger kitchen. Would I love to have a bigger dining room so we could entertain more people? I would love to be able to do that. Do I need to? Absolutely not. 
No, it's less to clean up. It is. <laughs> I, I tell my wife the same thing. I said, you know what? You can spend X number of hours cleaning 950 square feet, or you can spend six times that amount cleaning 6,000 square feet. Which one do you want? She's never told me she wants a 6,000 square foot house. <laughs> so I, I, I say that again, and, I, and it, just to remind the listeners that we have today, there's nothing wrong with living beneath your means. There, there is nothing to be gained. There is no status. There, you know what? When I am among millions of people, I am one among millions who really does believe that everything that we see was created from nothing. It's you have to have more faith to believe that everything existed eternally than to believe that that a god, the god of the universe, created everything that we can see. Uh, and people can argue with me, but I always go back and I ask this question before we go any further in an argument, and I, and I pose this question to both of you gentlemen. We have to be able to answer one very simple question, and that is, where did the very first atom come from? It came from someplace. Had to. Did it always exist? Because if it did, then you're making as much of a case for God as I am. <laughs> so so I, I look at it and I say, you know what, we have small brains. We really do. We understand a tremendous amount. We have doctors and lawyers that have spent their lives learning. We have, we have scientists that their understanding absolutely amazes me. The, the fact that they've figured these things out over the last 2,000 years is phenomenal and astounding to me. But I look at it and I say, you know what, somehow gravity came into being. Right. Somehow the law of lift came into being. Somehow the laws of physics that state that you know, without some force pushing an object, sooner or later it will quit moving. Those things came from someplace. And and I and I, and I say all that only to say that that I believe that we came from eternity, and I believe that we will end up in eternity. And, and I believe with my whole heart, with every fiber of my being that there is a day that I will have to stand in front of the God of the universe, and he's going to question me. And I better have the right answers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to, and you know what? I, I don't want to look at him and say, you know what? When he says, Brian, what did you do with the money that you earned when you were down there on that earth? I'm going to say, well, God, you know what? I bought myself a 6,000-square-foot house. I had three BMWs, and I had a really nice boat. We had a lake house down in Florida, had a condo in Los Angeles, and uh, you know what? We really enjoyed our free time. Because I don't think he's going to care about that. I really don't. I think he's going to care about the people that I influenced while I was on this earth, the people that I helped, the people that I fed, the people that I clothed. And uh, you know what? And, and I look at that, and that really drives my decisions. That's the reason I want to live on 10% of my income. It's not because I wouldn't enjoy having all those things. It's because I consider my eternity more more important than I do my now. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, it, the one thing that I, that, I, that I hear from you is that you are about service. That, that's the one thing that I can hear. And you've already said that you really enjoy what you do. You know, and that's what I... I always like to say that success is when you can do something that you really enjoy doing mm-hmm. and make a living from it. Yeah. Now that's that's successful because there are so many people who are in jobs where they make you know god awful amounts of money and they're unhappy. You know, I look at a lot of the entertainers and they make these millions of dollars and they're all on drugs and alcohol and they're got they're in abusive relationships. And I see all these CEOs that, you know, commit suicide when they think their business is not going to do well. You know, why do you think people equate success with money? Because we live in the United States. <laughs> Just to be frank, uh, we, we have, and I say that, and maybe I should expand that a little bit, because we live in a commercialized country, let's put it that way, uh, because I believe you see the same thing uh, in other countries that are commercialized, uh, not just the U.S., but in other countries as well. Uh, commercialism can be a phenomenal thing if it's used right. It's like anything else. You can use a gun for great purposes. I mean, you, can, you could use it to feed your family. 
you can go out hunting and you could bag a deer and you could feed your family for three months off of venison. Uh, but you could also use it for horrible things, uh, right. such as killing people or murdering, you know. Uh, it, money is the same way. Money is a great tool. You, could use, you can use money for a tremendous number of positive things. You can also use it for horrible things. Uh, and, and I really honestly think that, that uh, the definition of, of success being uh, lives that are lavish uh, really is, is the abuse of that freedom. Uh, I, I really don't, I really, I mean, I know people, I've got friends that, uh, there are some folks, uh, and I really want to make sure that everybody understands this, there are some people who really can take uh, an abundance of money and, and, uh, and they can live in a very nice lifestyle without uh, with it still only using 10% of their income. Uh, I, I know people that make millions of dollars a year that live on 10% of their income, and they still live off of $300,000 and $400,000 a year. Are you following me on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the fact that they're giving 90% of their income away doesn't mean that they don't have a lot of money that they live off of. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it just means that they make so much that that 10% is still a lot of money. You know, and uh, so it's not that it's not that living the idea of living off of 10% of your income uh, means that you're going to be in poverty the rest of your life. It, it doesn't, because I know people who do it that aren't. But uh, but that whole idea of that la- of the lavish lifestyle at the sacrifice of everything else that should be held dear, uh, I think, is a byproduct of the fact that we've been taught by our media uh, and and by influential sources that that is the American dream. I just think it's wrong. Wow! I tell you what, uh, to all our listeners, if you need to go uh, to the website bigmeaning.com you need to go there and purchase this book making it count because uh, you've heard tonight you've heard our guests wonderful things that he's saying there's a lot of tools in there that you can use and it's there but a lot of times I think that we're so caught up into uh, the hustle and bustle of the day that we miss those steps we we miss that, and it sounds like you're right on it. And let me ask you this: How do you stay on track? How do you stay focused on uh, the things that you want to achieve? Uh, how, how do you stay focused on that? Um, well, I'll go back to what I said earlier because I think that really is it. Um, I know, first of all, I've set I've set my goal. I, I know where I want to end up, uh, and and I embrace the end. Uh, I don't fear the end. You know, when uh, when I'm laying on my deathbed, as I will, just like everybody else on this face of this planet will, and everybody else has for the past 7,000 years, uh, there is no one that will uh, that is you know that is currently alive and living on this earth that will escape death. It's impossible. It's going to happen to every person. And so I start there, and I work my way back, and I look at that, and I say, What do I want? What is it really that I want? And I've shared a lot of it tonight. What do I really want when I'm lying on my deathbed? What is it? I want my family with me. I want to be honorable to those people that I've dwelt with, that I've worked with. I want the God of the universe to look at me and say that he's proud of me and the life that I've lived. Those things I see. And those are the things that I strive for. And, uh, and when, I, when, I, when I go to bed every night, I told you this as well, I examine my heart. I look at my mind, I look at the conversations that I've had, and I take this step every day of my life. I look every day at my life, and if I have offended somebody, if I have abused them somehow, uh, even if it was, un- I mean, obviously, in my case, I can say this, I've, I don't honestly ever have a desire to hurt somebody. It's not part of my makeup. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't do it or that I'm not misunderstood. But when I come to those conclusions, I lay down a plan to be able to correct that as soon as possible, that night if possible, and if not that night, certainly the next morning, uh, so that with baby steps every day, I'm keeping my focus, my vision, my goal, the same thing, and that is to live an honorable life, to honor people around me, to build them up, to take them with me on my journey, to help them on their journey, and if at all possible, to help them find the value of relationship that I have found with the God of this universe 
and and, and I'm just going to be quite frank. I mean, I, I I've got a man uh, that I've known now for the past 24 years. It's been he's been uh, just phenomenal uh, as far as a friend to me, and uh, I'm very uh, careful uh, about my friendship with him. You know, I mean, he uh, he saw me when I was. Uh, in my teenage years, and I was struggling as a teenager with my personal identity and and with the areas of my life that are embarrassing to even talk about nowadays. Uh, and he came alongside of me, and for whatever reason, decided that I needed some help. And so he came alongside of me, and he helped me get through some very tumultuous years uh, and walk along. And and I and you know what? I mean, I love this guy. He's just. As far as having a mentor, as far as having somebody that I value and esteem, there's nobody that I value and esteem more than I do him. And his name is Jesus, guys. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I and, knew it. <laughs> and you can and you can you can turn me off right now if you want to. Uh, you can walk away. But I'm telling you, as I sit right here and live and breathe, that that he is the closest friend I've ever had. And uh, uh, and you know what? Yeah, you 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 can evaluate that for yourself. You certainly would be a, you'd be a fool if you decided that what I'm saying is true without looking at it on your own. Right. Uh, but uh, it would be just as foolish not to look at it. And so uh, every person that's listening is going to have to make up their own mind as to whether they want to pursue any portion of this conversation at all. And they may choose not to buy the book because I've just associated me with the name of Jesus. And you know what? If that's their decision, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But I hope that as people listen to what I'm saying, they realize that, you know what, there are things that we don't understand. There are laws and rules that govern this universe that we don't grasp, that we don't know. And we have to look and search and seek and try to find those things and then have fun watching them work in our lives. Yes, yes. Well, you know, if if you've ever listened to the show before, you know we don't have a problem with you talking about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not at yes. all. I want you to give out your uh, your contact information. we got about three minutes left in the show because we definitely want people to be able to get in contact with you for Speak speaking engagement, engagement yeah. to purchase the book, to get other tools that you may use in your businesses. And also book findings. I saw that. Yeah, I, yeah, we've got a matter of fact if you have uh, if anybody's listening here and they are in the Kansas City area, we're going to be down at the uh Kansas City um uh Country Club Plaza area. There's a, a major bookstore chain that's down there uh, right in the Country Club Plaza area that we'll be at on on the 24th and then we'll be up at the Big Oak Mall in Omaha, Nebraska on the 25th uh, doing book signings and and uh so yes, it'd be fun to have people come by and say hi, and and I'd love to talk. I, I am I am a person who loves to teach. I admit it, I am. And uh, if you come by my book table, I guarantee you we'll have a conversation and we'll share some things back and forth. And hopefully, I'll give you something maybe you've never heard before. Uh, to get in touch with me, feel free to go to my website. You can go to www.bigmeaning. That's B-I-G-M-E-A-N-I-N-G. Bigmeaning.com. And uh, there is a contact form there. Or you can email me, brian.hurlbut, B-R-Y-A-N, period, H-U-R-L-B-U-T, at bigmeaning.com. You can also email me there. And my email address uh, is also on a contact form there on the website. All right, all right. And definitely go out and purchase this book, Making It Count, Putting Meaning Back in Businesses and Business and relationships and that's brian hurlbut make sure you purchase this book you can get it from the website what other places does the uh, uh is the book held it is it's available nationwide uh you can obviously you can go to any of the online stores you can go to uh amazon.com barnesandnoble.com you can go to uh, tower uh tower books mm-hmm. uh, online and you can buy it there you can walk into your local Barnes & Noble or Borders bookstore, and if they don't carry it, uh, if they don't have any in stock, when you ask, they certainly can order it for you there at the reference desk. Um, there's always the option of purchasing it online from my website if they feel the need to do that also. so. All right, all right. Making it count. Well, we thank you for joining us tonight, and I'm going to close with these 
uh, parting thoughts. If you're struggling to deal with different personality types successfully, you feel that you're in transition and you're out of control, then you need to buy this book, making it count. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but in all seriousness, you have the power to make your life a successful one. No one else out there can control your life. You have that power. So take hold of that power and make it work for you and your life successfully. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us, and good evening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.